there are no questions in the show notes, so. All right, so you could ask anything. I could ask anything. You're just going to have to wing it. All right. Let's I've go. got my show notes up, Jackson, so I feel pretty prepared now. All right, perfect. Well, welcome to the I-70. Oh, shit. No, the, the name of the podcast <laughs> is That I-70 Show. Welcome to That I-70 Show. <laughs> We're off to a hot start. Uh, I want to introduce our guest and co-host today. Uh, we have Satchel Caldwell. Um, he is up in Boulder, Colorado. We have Alex Quinn. He is in Rhino in Denver. And we have our dear friend, Connor Hibble, who is all the way in Perth, Australia. We're happy to have them all on the pod this week. Um, it was a pretty eventful weekend, and I, I did spend the weekend up in Boulder with Alex and Satchel here. Um, we went to the CU football game, visited my parents up there. Satchel, what was your take on the weekend overall? It's Halloween weekend. It, it was a pretty big party weekend in Boulder. Big party weekend. Um, I think the highlight for me, we're standing around the this foosball table at the bar. And some kid walks up and he said he he would bet uh, what I'm not a better what five for a hundred five for a hundred on foosball, and I was talking to this kid. He said the most he had ever bet is five for a thousand, and uh, you know we won the first point and then just got blown out of the water, but I that was like my excitement of the weekend, I guess. <laughs> I, no, that was. Just, just for my uh, understanding, what is what does five for five hundred mean or a thousand? It means he was willing to bet us a hundred dollars for a payout of five dollars. So he he was so we were we were ready to play him because that's too good of odds to pass up. So Satchel and I played him, um, and of course we lost. I mean, I think I kind of had a hunch he was going to be really good, but when we first scored that first goal, I was hopeful. I was like. You can get lucky and beat somebody in foosball. Like, how much skill can you really have playing foosball? But alas, there was a little glimmer of hope there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but then he was just phenomenal, like (laughs) unbelievably good. And so I had to buy him a beer. Not the end of the world. Must win quite a bit to uh, to to, uh, make (laughs) to make those odds stack. That's pretty impressive. Hey, yeah. Can you imagine putting up a thousand dollars to win five dollars? Yeah. I, I think he just likes the rush. Yeah. <laughs> a hundred wins. A hundred wins to break even. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, what was uh what was your highlight of the weekend? Oh, I gotta say it was uh it was going bowling at the C U rec center, you know, having having the lane having most of the lanes to ourselves and uh watching your dad and Satchel's dad absolutely roast each other alive insulting every single time they bowled was was pretty funny so i feel like that takes the cake for me it was that was a really good time for sure yeah so so there you have it folks we did not ski this weekend the only um resorts that are open and this is an update from last week we now have both a basin and keystone opened up this last week they opened on the 28th, so they opened last Friday. Um, good news, the mountains got a bunch of snow this last weekend. Open Snow reported that they got 10 inches last week ahead of the opening day. 
Um, Ape Basin also got 10 inches. And then um, the other mountains also all got hammered along the I-70 corridor. Um, so they are at a much higher base than they normally would be this time of year. Um, I read that the rivers are running uh, slightly above the median uh, levels that you would see this time of year. So, so the snowpack is healthy. Um, Open Snow also reported that they're gonna they're expecting dry weather for the next few days, but then they're expecting a return to snow Thursday and Friday of this week. Um, it's supposed to be colder this weekend. Um, so that's some good news on the on the skiing front. I, I, I'd like to ask Alex, when do you th- when do you think the first weekend that you'll go skiing will actually be? Well, I'd also like to add to what you said. Um, Winter Park. Uh, open today, Jackson. And, oh, no uh, way. As of now, it has the most snow, the most open trails, and the most open lifts of any mountain open in Colorado. So Winter Park, once again, down hands down, the best resort in the state. Um, but I think probably the first weekend that I'll go skiing will be probably mid-December, you know, when, when there's at least more than just that one one run um, to the base. So, you know, I feel like I want at least a little bit of a challenge um, and, and a little bit more, you know, options to go to go skiing. Otherwise, just standing in that line of, you know, a thousand people all trying to go ski the same run over and over and it's, it gets kind of mind numbing, so. Yeah, you're right. And the skiing normally gets good around, I'd say around Christmas, honestly. It can be so hit or miss throughout the whole month of December. We're hoping for you, Connor. Connor is coming to visit us in Colorado from Perth in at the end of December. So hopefully at that time, we're going to have some good snow for you. I know you're going to um, Steamboat the week you get here. When was the last time you skied, Connor? Oh, gosh, it would have been uh, probably like three years ago, I reckon. Tell us about the, the Aussie skiing experience. Where do you go if you want to ski? If you're an Australian, you want to ski. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> not great. Uh, I can't say I've actually been in Australia. It's kind of hard to justify. Um, there's a bit of skiing in Victoria, um, but it's pretty dismal. Uh, sorry to all my Victorian friends um, who thinks it's actually good. Um, and then Tasmania has got a few runs as well, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, pretty dismal and then you were saying that uh, a lot of people go to japan right yeah yeah most people go overseas um japan's definitely the big one i don't know why it is like uh probably probably uh proximity but it's uh definitely um the the spot where most australians go and most most australians it's just kind of go for snowboarding i don't know what it is about australians maybe it's surfing but they um they definitely prefer the the snowboard over the ski. I have another little uh, prompt here for you guys. The industry segment. Um, I was reading in the Summit Daily this week that Breckenridge Tourism, the tourism director at Breckenridge, um, announced that the winter winter season nights and bookings are down seven percent year over year, um, but they were down five percent over the 2018-2019 season. Um, so they're not worried yet. But given the um, current economic situation, how do you think that the 
Um, do, do you envision that people will spend less on skiing this year than in years past, Alex? Or do you think that the um, industry is insulated enough um, where they're still going to continue to have uh, good spending, a healthy uh, financial outlook for the future? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. I feel like, you know, if you're a family and, and in a tough and tough economy, that what's the first thing you cut? That's probably the, the expensive ski vacation, you know, to Breckenridge or to Keystone. Um, but it does seem like you do have a really good um, group of, like, I guess, base of, of consumers or people that will come up no matter what. Um, people that live up in the ski towns, people that live in Colorado. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's going to be anything crazy uh, compared to in the past. I wonder, you know, I look at, listen to these numbers and I wonder if more people are actually using uh, Airbnbs or VRBOs and staying uh, less at the mountain and that's contributing to their sales um, or bookings are down. You know, I think about when we go up and we go ski, we almost always stay in an Airbnb or a, or something, you know, not attached to the mountain or attached to like a, a you know, a Vail Resorts uh, property. Yeah, that's a good, t- that's a good point. It's also still pretty early. Um, I, I, I would love to know the Epic Pass or, or Epic and Icon Pass sales numbers. I don't know if any of you guys have heard any things in terms of how many passes they sold year over year. Or like, did that number increase or decrease? Um, that might give us a little bit better projection about what traffic is going to be like this year. I'm sure it's still going to be fucking awful. But, um, yeah. Um, Satchel, do you have an opinion on that? I do think that, like, a lot of people were kind of looking for a new hobby in 2020 and they gave skiing a try which maybe boosted um a lot of traffic to the resorts i think uh as a beginner it is kind of like a hard sport to get into so i think that could maybe account for some of that Mm -hmm. decline like just people realizing that it's not actually what they were looking for yeah yeah, and I kind of asked that question last week too. Is like, is there a point where skiing gets too expensive that people actually stop skiing? It, it, it's one of those things that almost feels to be totally elastic, meaning um, that we're gonna pay whatever price that the, that the mountains dictate. Um, Connor, you're probably in that. You're probably feeling that that way, especially coming for a vacation here coming up in December you, and you're flying across the world to come to Colorado, you guys are kind of at the mercy of what steamboat's going to charge you. Um, like you said, you're, you're already spending a lot. So why not go to a flume concert in Aspen, right? <laughs> it's a, it's a very slippery slope that, uh, that one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what, uh, it, what the cost looks like for the days you're going to ski. Do you know how many days you're going to ski? Well, I think I'm on, it's not the Epic. It's the, is it the Icon? The one with Steamboat that also does Canada as well? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, we bought, I think it was, it's about three, I don't want to quote it, but it's like $300, $400 um, for four days, which is yeah. definitely a bullet to bite. But yeah, I think, I think for a lot of people traveling overseas, the actual ski ticket represents just such a minor cost in the whole scheme of things. It's uh, it's true. Uh, overall, it, it, it's 
expensive. <laughs> you guys bought a four pack though too, right? You didn't buy individual tickets. There was some smaller pass that you could buy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I think there was months ago we were looking at what it would just ballpark cost to go ski in Japan because we saw I think some amazing video of how how great the powder is there and um, and even though we do have a pass you know not like a pass for mountains or that includes mountains there the cost alone of getting there is almost you know just dis is disgusting <laughs> it's just so expensive just to get there and stay there that it makes a lot of sense that the pass itself isn't really going to deter you from skiing once you're already here because you've already you know forked up the money to, to to make it all the way across the ocean or to you know fly across the continent so that makes a lot of sense to me no it totally makes sense and i wonder if there's some formula for um like a, i'm sure there's a formula for these ski resorts and they're calculating what percentage that consumers are will, willing to spend on the ski ticket as as a percentage of their overall budget when they're when they're taking one of those big international trips so um something interesting to think about i'd, I'd be um curious about that as well like what portion of revenue i guess uh, Vail or one of these big resorts makes from overseas um people flying in versus locally because it's kind of at the disadvantage of the local person isn't it um if you know they bump up ski prices because they're chasing overseas markets but then it's the person who lives locally that's gonna cop the extra cost mm -hmm. as well yeah jackson i'm sure if you dug down in their 10k <laughs> I could find it. No, they, you're you're probably right. We probably could find that. I know, um, w when I worked at Vail, we definitely looked, and and I know for a fact that a, a large portion of their revenue comes from uh, Central Central and South American consumers. Um, Mexico City, there's obviously a huge draw from there. Argentina, Chile, um, but. We, maybe we can have Maddie on and have her uh, give us some more insight there. <laughs> she might be breaking some uh, disclosures, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see if she can come on and, and give us uh, some more insight. We are at 15 minutes. I think we can call it there, and, and then we can stay on and chat some more. Um, but this was a this was a good podcast for the week. I'll give you guys a quick weather update on the way out. Um, Thursday and Friday of this week in Denver. And in Boulder, so across the Front Range, we are looking at some precipitation, 50% chance of precipitation on Thursday and 30% chance of snow on Friday. So hopefully we'll see some flakes uh, fly down here in Denver. We really haven't had, actually, I guess we did have one day of snow down here. So we've already had the first snow. It's it's Halloween tonight. So that's that's good that we're already seeing some snow fly this early in the year. And then looking at Vail, same thing. We're seeing 80% uh, chance of snow on Thursday, 30% chance of snow on Friday. Really hoping for that. Um, I, I think Vail will probably try to get open by Thanksgiving, so that's in two weeks. But um, I haven't heard if they have a planned opening day yet. But um, I'd love to be up there. And uh, I'm, I might take some runs over Thanksgiving if I'm around Um Satchel, particularly if we need to get our training days in to be working up there, we should get um, get it out of the way early. I think that's coming at the end of next month. So hopefully uh, early snow would benefit us this year greatly. Um, but pray for snow, everyone. Thanks for listening to the pod, and we will catch you next week.